0: Before bringing life into the world, you imagine all of the moments you're going to share with your child, holding them for the first time, feeling their little fingers wrap around yours, and feeling that warmth of their body against your chest for that coveted skin-to-skin time. What you don't imagine, and aren't prepared for, is the emotional, hormonal, and physical changes that you endure. Changes that for many women lead to postpartum depression. Vocal about her experience with postpartum depression, Sarah Alvarez Kleinsmith shares her difficult journey of navigating feelings and emotions she wasn't prepared for, and how lack of resources led her to be an advocate for women's health. This is We Need to Talk Motherhood, Part 3. And Sarah Alvarez-Kleinsmith, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about your motherhood journey. We've had some really heart-wrenching stories and what I've found to be really beautiful is how different everybody's motherhood experiences and mm-hmm. i think that that's the importance of sharing these stories is to see the wide variety and the, the the spectrum of what motherhood is you know from heartbreaking to really incredibly powerful stories to difficult to just the type of children or the type of being a single mom for example and i'm really grateful for your willingness to to share your experience with motherhood because you are a mother that did go through postpartum depression Mm -hmm. And I know that there is really a huge stigma surrounding postpartum depression that almost leaves mothers feeling with this sense of guilt. If you do know that you're going through it and there really feels like there's not a lot of support. So I would love to just kind of go back to the beginning of even talking about your experience of being pregnant to when you gave birth to when you realized you were going through postpartum depression.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I really, um, enjoy talking about my experience with motherhood for this reason exactly like you said I think um that there is a stigma and it's gotten a lot better over the years just even in the five years that my son has been alive um but uh when we decided to get pregnant so I want to start by saying uh that some women are gonna some people are going to hear this and maybe feel jealous of the beginning of my experience of motherhood because the beginning was really easy for us so the uh the journey to pregnancy was easy a conception, and then my pregnancy. I mean, I was a yoga teacher at the time, mm. um, so I was very into you know fitness and wellness and and uh, feeding my body. And I was doing yoga, you know, two and three times a day for the entirety of my pregnancy. Never had any aches or pains, slept great. I Very I remember, lucky. Very lucky. <laughs> I remember at the beginning feeling like I've never felt so happy in my life. There was something hormonally that was going so well mm. that I remember telling my husband, I don't even have the energy to argue with you right now. I just feel good. It was yeah. really strange. Like a sense and of was, peace. Yeah, I felt peaceful. I was like, I am fulfilled. I am doing good. And, um, I remember having the thought of like, I could be a surrogate. This pregnancy thing is great. Like, let's do this a bunch more times. Right. So I was like ready. Um, and of course, like a lot of, um, you know, women definitely in the wellness, um, sphere, I thought and wanted to have a very quote unquote natural birth. And I really wanted to labor and deliver in water without any interventions and without Mm -hmm. any drugs I also had grand plans to breastfeed for, you know, a, an extended period of time, you know, mm-hmm. until um, my son was over a year. And so I was really looking forward to my parenting choices before my son was born. So that's, that yeah. was the beginning. Yeah. Um, the day that my water broke, it, it took, um, it, it took a good uh, 24 hours and I just had a slow trickle, you know, for me, it wasn't like in the movies where the, the bucket of water comes for me, it was a trickle. <laughs> And, um, and then labor would get initiated. Yeah. So we, we notified, uh, the, uh, the, the birthing center and they, uh, they basically said, uh, you know, to try different things. So we tried a bunch of different things. Finally, they threw the Hail Mary pass at us, which was to take castor oil to get neighbor labor initiated, Mm. which was, I don't, I don't recommend that for anyone listening. I mean, you do you, but I (laughs) don't recommend that. Um, so you
0: take it orally. Uh just like drink it
1: Uh uh-huh like I ate it in some Ben and Jerry's it yeah and uh it makes you really sick but it does initiate labor so initiated labor um and then uh my from there I had my my birth was just his birth was really uh traumatic and difficult from there Mm. um it uh there, there were several things that happened that obviously didn't go according to plan. I do want
0: to ask you something before you continue. Mm-hmm. What were your views of what you thought pregnancy was going to be like? Or what did you know about pregnancy before you got pregnant and then went through this entire journey? Because even as you saying, like, it wasn't like in the movies. It's like, it is definitely not the way that they, you know, portrayed in the movie. So what was your perception of pregnancy before?
1: Um, I thought... Um it was going to be much more uncomfortable. Um, Mm. and I was lucky. Um, and I recognized that. And then also I think that, you know, the amount of yoga I was doing kind of kept me from having like, you know, sciatic type of pain. Um, but I was really lucky. I expected it to be, I expected to be more moody and emotional. Um, the thing I loved about it was how much you like, I mean, I remember, uh, feeling like I can eat pancakes and not have any guilt. And I don't know why I would have had guilt about pancakes anyway, but you know, (laughs) feeling like I was feeding my baby, Yeah. you know, and at that, when they're in the womb, they can't talk back. So they can't tell you what they don't like. So you just get to eat, feed them whatever you want. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, so yeah, my expectations of pregnancy, um, you know, it ended up being better, but, um, then, like I said, the birth ended up being, Way worse, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I wasn't able to deliver in the um in the birthing center, and uh, I had to go to the hospital, which was across the street, which was lucky. And um, my birth was uh, the labor pains were intensified by the castor oil, and then they checked me in, and I asked for drugs right away because I had been at this point laboring for several hours, and um, you know they. Uh, my midwife tried to to talk me out of, uh, getting the pain meds. And I was like, no, forget it. The birth plan is out the window. Please just give me the drugs. Um, and then from there, it took another 12 hours before I saw the anesthesiologist. Um, and then another 12 hours before my son was born. So from the time that my, um, and we, we ended up having to have an emergency C-section. So from the time that my son was born or my water broke at the beginning to the time my son was born, it was uh, 48 hours. So wow. it was like a two day long process. And then it ended in a C-section and I did hard labor for a good 24 hours, 12 of which were totally unmedicated, um, not by my choice. And so it was really rough. And then um, I hadn't slept for several days and then you it know, got cut open. And then when he came out, I just remember having this feeling of like, is he okay? And they said, yes. And then I just felt like I wanted to die. And mm. something changed in my brain. Um, I mean, cause when I described to you how like blissful and euphoric I was as a pregnant woman and then how after this traumatic birth and surgery and several days of no sleep impacted my mood, it was like night and day, it was like right away. And so then coming back from that um, was an uphill battle. And mm. then in addition, um, because of C-section and, um, he had a tongue tie. He never could latch properly. Um, my my supply wasn't great. My milk supply wasn't great. And so then there came this, this intense pressure I had put on myself to breastfeed. Yeah. And, um, you know, from the nurses and the lactation consultants and my husband, who were all trying to help. But um, I started to tell you know, I'm failing is what I, the message I had was giving myself was I'm failing at birth, I failed at birth. Um, my body's failing me now, I'm failing at all of this and everybody wants me to be able to do this and I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like night and day. And, and like I said, from there, it, um, it just kind of got worse um, mm-hmm. mood wise. And a few days out, my doulas had sort of expected that there might be a problem because mm-hmm. my, my birth plan was different than what ended up happening. And so they were kind of on the lookout and they were like, are you feeling okay? And, you know, I felt like I'd been hit by a truck, but I was like, this is normal, right? Like everybody feels like they got hit by a truck. Um, they were like, if you don't start to feel kind of more normal in a couple of weeks, like, I think we need to talk about postpartum depression. And I'm so lucky that I had them um, say that because- yeah you know, my OB didn't ask me about that. Pediatrician didn't talk about that. Nobody in my family had had postpartum depression. So I didn't really have a lot of guides on that. So I was really lucky that those doulas, um, you know, were there to warrant to warn me. And then after Mm -hmm. about four or six weeks, I was like, Oh, I think this is shit. Like, I think I have it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Was there a specific moment though, or a situation that happened that made you really have that light bulb click on like, I think this is what this is.
1: I really, really didn't want that to be the case. I really was in denial about it, um, even though that I knew it was really um, likely. Um, In retrospect, I wish that I had been able to recognize the symptoms for what they were, which was symptoms because Mm -hmm. at the time, the tape that was playing in my brain was um, that I shouldn't have become a mother and Mm. that I made a mistake and that motherhood was terrible and harmful and awful. And what have I done? And I'm not ready for this. And he deserves so much better. So those were the thoughts that were playing in my head. And yeah. and it took months uh, for me to realize that those thoughts are very, um, you know, those are symptomatic thoughts that so those are symptoms. Um, one of the light bulb moments for me was I just remember saying to my husband, um, and my brother, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And they were like, what? And I was like, I don't, I just feel terrified all the time. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of happened slowly. And like I said, I was just really lucky that I had those doulas. Um, they suggested that I reach out to this organization here in Texas that I ended up um, eventually uh, volunteering for as the marketing director called the um, Pregnancy and Postpartum Health Alliance of Texas. And they do amazing work here in Central Texas. And one of the ways that they try to help mothers is they will pay for you to have a postpartum doula um, if you qualify. So if, you're, if your income is a certain level, you know, and you can't afford a doula, they will send a doula to your house mm-hmm. um, to help you come back to life. And so I, I took like 40 hours worth of doula help, um, overnight to help me sleep and to help me, um, recover. And those women sat by my side and saw me cry and said, you know, it's okay. And what can I do for you? And let me take him. And, um, for that reason, I really wish postpartum doulas were more the norm, um, yeah. because wow. having that support is huge.
0: I just I can't imagine not having that support and I do know a few people that have gone through postpartum depression and I didn't go through it but I I was lucky enough to have been aware of it because my OB and I were like (laughs) we're so close Mm -hmm. I always I she's like the type of person I can text if Mm -hmm. I have questions right so I feel yeah I feel very blessed to have that relationship with her but I can't imagine giving going through a process of giving birth like people don't understand if you haven't gone through it if you haven't carried a child in your womb for nine months give birth to them, and then you have all of these emotions, there's no way to even want to explain. But if you have no resources to help you kind of navigate those feelings, it's a really scary place to be in, I can only imagine. So I'm glad that you did have those doulas. And I agree, I do wish that it was more of a norm thing, because pregnancy is not easy. Giving birth is not easy. Being a mom is not easy. And it's painted as this, well, this is just what you naturally do. So you figure it out type situation, you know?
1: Yep. Yeah, it I you know, I don't know that I would have considered myself, you know, a, a raging feminist before having a baby, but after having a baby, it's like you wake up in another world and you yeah. see the invisible work that women and mothers and um you know women of color have been doing since the dawn of time that goes unrecognized and unnoticed. Um and so that narrative really started to make me angry like as a part of it I was like I don't want to be a part of this narrative of constant self-sacrifice of needing to bury my emotions of needing to hide my mental illness um, yeah. I don't want to be a part of, you know so what I heard so much from from doulas and from the birthing community at that time was um you know the, the postpartum and perinatal mood disorders are exacerbated by the fact that we don't have support for yeah. um women and mothers um systemically and that we all you know, embrace this uh, capitalist, like each of us on our own lifestyle. And when it comes to mothering and birthing, you really need the support of the community. And so um, then I just became kind of a, like a raging advocate for, for that because it was yeah. like, this, is, this really needs to change. You know? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Through that beginning of your journey in motherhood, how did you let yourself know that you were doing okay and you were doing the best that you could in that time?
1: That's such a wonderful question. Um, I don't think that it took, I don't think that I recognized at all at the moment, how hard I was working and how much Mm. I was doing. Um, it, it, is even you know five years out now that I think about it, and I feel in awe of the woman I was and the mother that I was because um, it it uh, you know I I one 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 um, phrase that I take issue with is um, you know you could ask me you have postpartum depression are you not bonding with your baby um you know or or you'll see if you feel like there's a lack of love or you're not in love with your child right away and i take umbrage with that phrasing because i felt a bond to my baby right away when he was in the womb and when he was out of the womb the bond that i had toward him was what got me up every day it got me Mm -hmm. to therapy it got me to um you know try medications and supplements and see what worked for me um you know, it kept me with him when I wanted to leave because I convinced myself um, that he needed me even though the the mental illness was telling me he'd be better off without you. Um, mm. And so it's crazy to me when I think about it that with my husband at work, with no family support nearby, I got up with him every day, despite the fact that those were the thoughts in my head. Um, you know, that I wasn't worthy and that he deserved better. And um, I remember one day I was driving, and this was a few months out, so four months out, maybe, with my with my son in the car. He's tiny little baby. And I remember having this feeling of like, oh, the old me, like almost like a breeze came through. And it was like a, like just a mood change. It was something hormonal. And I felt like, oh my God, this feels like the old me. Like, and I remember having this thought of like, if that's coming back that woman is going to be an excellent mother like if Mm. if that woman comes back and takes over for what i feel now like this kid is really lucky and eventually that happened um but also now i'm a changed woman because i went through that and Mm. now i have loads more compassion and um and pain you know still the wound um and I truly believe that that experience made me a better mother because having walked through the pain of mental illness and crazy circumstances, I feel like I'll be able to help my son if he ever goes through something mm. similar.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that, that that was your takeaway. And I think that's really beautiful. I think also just in listening to you you speak, I think one of the hardest things just in motherhood in, g- in general, whether you've gone through postpartum depression or not, is just to give yourself some grace. Yeah. You know, it's hard to just, you've never done this before, right? Exactly. So when when you're a first time mom, like you're going to mess up or things are going to be different or things are going to be hard. And we, we don't allow ourselves grace, but also because I think when you're looking on the outside, there is this expectations, like you have to be this type of mom, you have to breastfeed for this amount of time, you have to do this, you have to do that. It's also what society makes us think motherhood is supposed to be. But Whatever, whatever we do is right for us and our children in that moment. And I, I, I wish more moms knew that and could have that attitude and kind of just tell everybody else around them to shut up, you know, because it's so hard to remind yourself of that. But grace to me is one of the biggest things that I think moms need to continuously have for themselves because you are doing the best that you can at any given moment.
1: Yeah. I remember the first time I ever heard that phrase was from one of my doulas a few days after I gave birth and and I was crying, I think probably about the breastfeeding stuff. And she said, you have to give yourself some grace, mama. Mm -hmm. I literally was like, I've never heard that before. Like I, you know, I grew up in church. So I I had heard about the idea of grace, you know, um, in regard to Christianity, but not, I remember thinking like, what does that mean to give myself grace? And really the journey of motherhood um, has taught me what that means. Yeah. Because have to adapt with every changing moment like no for the same with parenthood so you have to give yourself grace
0: absolutely Um, right so in the last so your son's five now so when did you get to the point where you felt like you were yourself again
1: Um, I had another, uh, mother that I was speaking to, um, when my son was about a year old and I asked her the same question. When do you feel like you started? Cause she had postpartum depression. When you, did you feel like you started to feel normal again and and feel like yourself again? And when did the postpartum depression go away? And she said, you know, just to be honest with you, like it's sometimes it it doesn't, it doesn't go all the way away. Mm. It doesn't way away. Um, and i wasn't really sure first of all i was terrified of what that meant yeah but it got less and less but having a baby and having that traumatic birth experience changed my brain um, the way that i think any trauma would would change you know change your brain yeah. and with therapy and and sharing and talking about it um, you know it slowly got better but I still have a wound around that time. And I, yeah. I believe that my son will be 30 and I will talk about this experience. Mm. But for anyone listening who may be experiencing postpartum depression, I guarantee it does get better. Um, and I'm really grateful for that experience. And I'm really grateful for who I am yeah. and how I am now. Um, but it probably took probably took uh, six months to feel more like myself a year to feel like, okay, I got this. By the time my son was a toddler, I was like, this shit is easy because (laughs) he's telling me a terrible twos, a terrible threes. And I was like, oh no, you know, I can't handle that. But like without postpartum depression, everything was easier. I was like, oh my God, I feel like I've been training with a weighted vest on, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've been marathon training with a hundred pound vest on and like slowly it came off. And so by the time we were dealing with potty training and tantrums, I was like, okay, like, you know, without the mood disorder, I can do this. Yeah. Um but we still have hormonal fluctuations according to my my cycle. So right. I have fun PS before having a baby <laughs> We talked a little
0: bit uh, about how there were lack of resources and lack of support, specifically with women that go through this. But just from your vantage point of having experienced it, do you think that the lack of resources is due to kind of the attitude like, hey, if you don't talk about it, it's not there? Or do you think it's kind of rooted in ignorance?
1: Um, I think both. I think it's really convenient for our society to um, not acknowledge the the pain that anyone goes through—female, uh, male—you know, um, anyone, uh, anyone uh, at all. So I, I think it's easier to not acknowledge the deep pain and and mental illness. So there's there's a mental illness stigma that we deal with in this country, and then you add on to that—you know, misogyny, sexism and then racism, classism. And it's like, you just get more and more things stacked up against you in terms of the resources are available, available how you're believed by healthcare professionals, um, you know what you have access to in terms of therapy. So it's, uh, I think that it's a multi-layered systemic problem. And I feel like it serves society as a whole to not listen to women. Um, because if women are able to deal, deal and I could deal in quotations like um, deal with their pain on their own, in, in silence, just you know move through life, then, then we don't have to pay them more money. And we don't have to give them health care or the support that they need. We can, we can continue to expect that women are going to do this invisible labor um, of raising, you know, generations of, of Americans without um, giving them the proper support they need. And because I think mothers are amazing, parents are amazing, women are amazing, um, we meet that challenge sometimes to our detriment. And I definitely was trying my damnedest to meet that challenge and muscle through and it broke me. and the wisest women I know have had that same experience where you're just muscling, 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 and then you break, and then you have to grow from there in a way that's authentic.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, that's what I yeah. think.
0: What have you learned about yourself over the last five years?
1: Um, I really, I look to Carrie Fisher and the wisdom of Carrie Fisher and the way that she talks about people who go through mental illness as warriors Um. I think that that is the most true. Um, I think about too, what a powerfully, uh, like just what an insanely powerful thing it is to raise a baby um, and keep a child alive when you're in a crisis like that. Um, So what I've learned about myself over the years is I have necklaces, I have shirts, I have hats. That say badass and chingona because like I'm a fucking chingona. Like I'm a fucking badass. Like, you know, I'm a fuck around and find out kind of person. Not with people. Like I'm, you know, I don't start things with people, but like that's what I that's what I try to trust and tell it myself about any um anything that I may endure in life. Like you can do it, you can handle it. Look what you've done, look what you did, look at this amazing kid. He's like happy. He doesn't even know that he had. A mother who was a basket case, when that's me judging myself, you know, when he was a baby, um, he doesn't know. And so that's what I try to take from it. I try to take trust in myself from it and the importance of advocating for other women and seeing and reaching out to other women and people in need, but especially in that postpartum time. Cause I just, for me, there's never been anything more vulnerable.
0: Yeah. So I wanna shift gears just a little bit because I know that you are a proud Latina woman. What culturally are you sharing with your son as as he grows older that's very important to you for your culture?
1: I love that question. I am right now in the process of learning Spanish um, and my son uh, until recently was in an immersion school. So we're working on our Spanish. my parents both spoke spanish but not um to us kind of around us so i never really i grew up hearing it um but i'm not fluent so um uh we're working on that together um my husband is jewish and and his uh, mother his grandmother was in the holocaust so it's really important to me too for my son to learn about um judaism so we're trying to combine those cultures and uh, make sure that he gets a good measure of both through the spanish and um and, and also he's, you know, I, I present white. My husband is a white um, Jewish uh, man. Our son presents white. So I also have to keep in mind that even though he's Latino and he's Jewish, like he's a white man, mm. he will be. a white And I, I think about that very seriously. And, you know, what an opportunity to raise a white man, you know, like what, what an opportunity to figure out what, what do I want to instill in this fresh life for how he understands and views the world. Um, because even though he's multicultural, he'll always have the advantages that, um, you know, other Latinx brothers and sisters won't. Um, so
0: I love so, that. Yeah. I love that. And I love the the combination of both, both cultures and heritages. That's he's going to be amazing. I already know. <laughs> so for, for any moms that, might be thinking, you know, I do feel like I'm going through postpartum depression, or I'm not sure how I'm feeling. Do you have any resources that they can look to, even if just going online, that they might be able to read about or they can maybe find help if they're searching for it?
1: Yeah, um, there's Postpartum Support International, and they have a hotline. Um, So if you are undergoing a crisis, and you need to speak with someone now, and you're um, anywhere, that's um, an international organization. So they have great resources. I believe the website is postpartum.net. And then if you're in Texas, which is I probably a smaller, smaller group of your audience, um, uh, pphatx.org is the Pregnancy and Postpartum Health Alliance of Texas. I know for a fact that there are similar organizations in um, California um, and different, uh, different states that will help you connect to a database of uh, caretakers and practitioners that are on a sliding scale or in your area. Um, and and support groups uh, of mothers. I heard this a million times when I was going through it and I don't think that anything can be more true that when you become a mother, it's most important to find your tribe, um, your your mothers that understand you. um, And those might not be the best friends that you had before you gave birth. Um, And so that takes time and trust that there are friends and support and people out there Um, who will understand what you're going through. And in the same way, I can't relate to being a veteran, but I think in the same way that combat veterans can find that um, sister brotherhood um, with each other, I feel that way about other mothers. And I especially feel that way about other mothers who experience postpartum depression. So if you find a woman who went through it, ask her what her experience was like. Um, um, If you feel comfortable talking about it, talk to other women and other mothers and, the most important thing you can do for a mo- for yourself as a mother, whether or not you have a perinatal mood disorder, is to um, take care of yourself first, advocate mm-hmm. for yourself first, and ask for help when you need it, um, because you asking for help is what makes you a good mom. Um, again, that's if we're talking about sweeping the floor or calling a therapist, like both things, you know, asking your husband to put away the laundry, please. Or, you know, calling your mother to see if she can bring over dinner, whatever it is. Um, I believe that's what I've learned about mother motherhood, is that vulnerability is our strength.
0: Motherhood has always made me think of when you're on the plane and they tell you to put on your mask first before you help somebody else. And that's exactly what it is. You, you cannot physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever, take care of another human being, if you are not taking care of yourself as well. So I I love that advice. And I think it's wonderful. Um, So lastly, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your podcast and what the content is, and where people can listen to it as well.
1: Oh, you're so you're so nice. Um, so uh, I am a podcast producer for a podcast called Get Rooted with Robin Moreno. And um, Robin is the uh, former editor in chief of Latina magazine and a curandera, which means she does like healing practices. So um, we do a podcast on uh, Latina leadership, but also wellness in our community. Um, and what's available on Spotify and Apple podcasts and um, your, your local podcast.
0: Awesome. Well, Sarah, it was such a pleasure chatting with you and I really appreciate you sharing your story. Can people follow you on social media as well?
1: Yeah, I'm at Sarah Alvarez Plainsmith on Instagram. um, And I'd love to see you there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And to the listeners, make sure you subscribe and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye.